Welcome to Barely Audible Whisper, a weekly NPR parody podcast in no way associated with NPR, brought to you in no part by the following parody sponsors. The Trump University, Rudolph Giuliani School of Law. The time you'll save getting your law degree in our accelerated program almost makes up for the time you'll lose rotting in prison. The Republican Mob, not to be confused with the Russian Mob, who helped Trump extort Ukraine, the Republican Mob is the angry mob of Republican congressmen hoping mob rule will overrule Trump's mob scheme. There's no better mob than the Republican mob when you need an angry mob to cover your connections to the Russian mob. And shooting someone on Fifth Avenue, now perfectly legal for one individual, known as Individual One. I am Dave. And I am Molly. And our voices like Trump's chances of surviving impeachment are low. Our top story this week... Jane Buckingham, a self-proclaimed teen branding guru and best-selling author of a book about parenting, was sentenced to three weeks in prison, one year of supervised release, and a $40,000 fine for conspiring to rig her son's ACT scores in a college admissions fraud scandal. In a promotional video for her parenting guide, Terrible Parent Jane Buckingham said, quote, You know, at the end of the day, all we really want to know is how do we raise confident, self-reliant kids? Well, guess what? If you want to have a confident kid, you need to be a confident parent. Mrs. Buckingham was apparently not confident enough in her self-reliant, confident kid to confidently self-rely on his own test scores. How does a self-proclaimed expert on teenagers and author of a book on parenting fail so miserably at parenting a teenager? The answer may lie in the following promotional material for her new book series. I'm Jane Buckingham, and if you're like me, you have no confidence in the self-reliance of the confident, self-reliant kid you raised with such self-reliant confidence in your ability to raise a confident, self-reliant kid. My kid is the smartest kid in his peer group of overprivileged kids. But now I'm afraid that giving my kid every advantage put my kid at a disadvantage when competing against disadvantaged kids who had the advantage of learning how to work for their advantages. It's totally unfair. Underprivileged kids are being taught to work for the privileges that are handed out to privileged kids. But the whole point of being privileged is not having to earn your privilege. If only there were a way to protect our kids' privilege from the underprivileged kids who are using the advantages of being disadvantaged to take advantage of our privileged kids who are too privileged to earn their privileges. Now what if I told you the solution were as easy as one simple word? That would be great. I don't do stuff that's hard. I pay poor people to do hard stuff for me. Well, that one word solution to all of your problems is cheat. I love cheating. But what does having sex behind my wife's back have to do with getting my kid into a good college? I'm not talking about cheating on your spouse. Although, come to think of it, that's also fun. See me after the seminar. I'm talking about cheating on college admissions. Oh, you mean like having sex behind my wife's back with a college admissions administrator. No, I'm not talking about cheating on your spouse. 
Although, come to think of it, that might also work. I'm talking about paying bribes and committing fraud. I love paying bribes and committing fraud. That's how I got the last woman who I had sex with behind my wife's back to have sex with me behind my wife's back. <laughs> Your inability to focus on the topic at hand is exactly why privileged people like us need to cheat. You can't be bothered with such mundane tasks as working and earning your privilege when your privileged mind is too busy thinking about ways to use your privilege to cheat. You need to cheat so you can afford to cheat, thus allowing you the time to think about cheating. Wow, this woman totally gets me. Take for example the true story of me cheating on behalf of my unknowing son. Before I cheated on his behalf, my son, all on his own, scored in the 94th percentile on his ACTs. That's a good score. You must be proud. Most mothers would be. But I figured if my son can get in the 94th percentile on his own, why not pay $50,000 to commit a felony fraud to bump him up to the 99th percentile? That's flawless logic. I know! I wanted my son to go to USC. And while being in the 94th percentile might get him in on his own merits, being in the 99th percentile basically guaranteed it. Plus, you teach your son the valuable lesson that it's always better to cheat. He'll thank you for that one day when he's having sex behind his wife's back. But you're forgetting I wanted to raise a confident and self-reliant kid. So deceived my son into taking a practice test, which he believed was a real test, so that he would have the confidence to believe that his fraudulent test score was a result of his own self-reliance. That's brilliant! That way, instead of risking the possibility that he might experience the temporary disappointment of not getting into his first choice school, a minor life setback that he might actually learn from, you exposed him to the life-shattering realization that his achievements are invalid and his mother is a liar. <laughs> did I mention I wrote a book on parenting? Of course you did. As a parent who turned a possible minor disappointment and potential life lesson into a psychologically traumatizing catastrophe, likely to permanently shatter your son's self-esteem and ability to trust, you're in the perfect position to write a parenting book lecturing other parents about how they should parent. <laughs> Indeed. And if you like my book on parenting, you'll love my new book on how to survive three weeks in prison as a rich bitch by making extortion payments for protection entitled, Please Don't Hurt Me, I'm Rich. The State Department released a nine-page report summarizing their investigation into Hillary Clinton's use of a personal email account and found, quote, there was no persuasive evidence of systemic deliberate mishandling of classified information. There was no persuasive evidence of systemic deliberate mishandling of classified information. I just said that. Why are you yelling? Because it bears repeating. There was no persuasive evidence of systemic, deliberate mishandling of classified information. Loud and frequent repeating. For more on the discovery that... There was no persuasive evidence of systemic, deliberate mishandling of classified information. Barely Audible Whisper recorded a focus group of independent voters listening to a message from Hillary Clinton. Hello, I'm Hillary Clinton. I don't like her. I don't like her either. Former President Bill Clinton, don't get me wrong, I love my wife, and I am proud of her achievements, like the time she became the first woman to accept the Democratic nomination for president, and I got to play with all those balloons. 
You probably don't like me because I made what appears to be a politically calculated decision to stand by my cheating husband in order to propel my own political ambitions. I love her. I just don't... It's complicated. What are you doing in a focus group? They had balloons on the door, so I wandered inside. Yay, balloons! But are you aware of my own remarkable achievements over my own remarkable life? Like my work as an attorney during Watergate. Nope. Doesn't ring a bell. I remember that. Hillary worked tirelessly to help bring Richard Nixon to justice. Thanks to her long hours of dedicated service, she was like never home. I got laid a lot. Or the work I did on behalf of 9-11 first responders as a United States Senator representing New York during America's worst terrorist attack. Nope. Doesn't ring a bell. I remember that. Hillary worked tirelessly to protect our first responders. Thanks to her long hours of dedicated service, she was like never home. I got laid a lot. Or the time I stood up to Russian dictator Vladimir Putin. No, doesn't ring a bell. As Secretary of State. I remember that. Hillary Clinton, Benghazi, emails. Hillary worked tireless hours at home on her personal laptop. Thanks to her long hours of dedicated service at home, I couldn't get laid. During my tenure as Secretary of State... Hillary Clinton, Benghazi, emails... Republicans launched ten separate investigations into my handling of an incident in which four people died in Benghazi. Hillary Clinton, Benghazi, emails... The endless investigations yielded no criminal charges, but the fact that 2020 hindsight casts doubt on my decisions and the discovery that I used a private email server aroused such conspiratorial fervor amongst Republicans that even nonpartisan media oversaturated their election coverage with so much disproportional coverage that I was literally defined by my emails. Hillary Clinton, Benghazi emails. The fact that my husband met with then-Attorney General Loretta Lynch on a tarmac days before the Justice Department announced they would not be indicting me didn't help matters. Nope. Doesn't ring a bell. But now that President Trump's own State Department extensive investigation concluded that, quote, There was no persuasive evidence of systemic, deliberate mishandling of classified information. Hillary Clinton? Not Benghazi? Not emails? Americans will hopefully be forced to reconsider their knee-jerk opinions about me. But if not Benghazi, not emails, then what defines Hillary Clinton? A dedicated and competent public servant? A calculated Machiavellian politician? A prudent pragmatist? An unprincipled incrementalist? It's complicated. Last year, the United States officially boycotted an annual World Financial Conference held in Saudi Arabia due to the Saudi government's involvement in the murder of Jamal Khashoggi. This year, the conference billed as Davos in the Desert, which aims to connect global finance giants with wealthy Saudi investors, will be attended by U.S. Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin and whatever it is Jared Kushner does, Jared Kushner. Because after a year of doing nothing to hold anyone accountable for Khashoggi's murder, Saudi Arabia has definitely learned their lesson. 
and apparently that lesson is wait a year. For more on the financial opportunities made possible by Selling America's Soul, Barely Audible Whisper filed the following report. Last year's annual Davos in the Desert, which was boycotted by the United States and most major American companies, was a disappointment to Saudi Crown Prince and what the Trump family will be like if we don't do something to limit their power, Mohammed bin Salman. America won't attend my conference because I murdered a journalist. Well, you better believe I learned my lesson. I'm going to wait a year. But this year's conference will be attended by a slew of companies like Bloomberg and J.P. Morgan Chase Bank that boycotted last year, as well as an official American government delegation. Not doing anything was a brilliant move. I was born a wealthy prince, so not doing anything comes naturally to me. And speaking of not doing anything to earn their opulent wealth, the American delegation is being led by Jared Kushner. Give me money. Don't get me wrong, it's not like I don't do anything. I, I ordered the executions of a lot of people to consolidate my power. I mean, it's not like I'm lazy. And speaking of doing horrible things to make money and obtain power, the American delegation is also being headed by Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin. My wife and I once posed for a picture with an uncut sheet of dollar bills. I held the sheet of money with my pinky out and my wife wore black leather gloves. It's what it would look like if Marie Antoinette were a hooker and soulless greed had a face. Mr. Kushner, give me money! How can you justify America's participation in a Saudi Arabian financial conference in light of the fact that they still have taken no accountability in the murder of Jamal Khashoggi? Give me money. Jared's right. Saudi Arabia is brimming with the kind of corrupt financial opportunities that make my gold-digging wife horny. America's business relationship with Saudi Arabia has always meant ignoring various human rights abuses in favor of lower oil prices. But many people believe that the Trump administration legitimizing Saudi Arabia's brutal and illegal war in Yemen, approving of the ruthless tyranny of the crown prince, and ignoring the murder of Jamal Khashoggi makes us look weak and destroys our global moral authority on the world stage. Give me money! Once again, Jared's assessment is correct. My wife is a very sexually attractive person, whereas most people find me as sexually repulsive as my wife finds poor people. It takes more than just money to make my wife horny. It takes dirty money. Is there any connection to American participation in the Saudi business conference? And the fact that immediately after withdrawing troops from northern Syria, we deployed troops to Saudi Arabia? Give me money! Like Jared so astutely pointed out, they gave us money. That's exactly what people find so distressing. While questions loom about President Trump's personal financial connections to Saudi Arabia and Jared Kushner's personal relationship with the Crown Prince, Give me money. The President makes a strategically inexplicable military decision for which he offers no justification other than the unprecedented fact that they paid us. Give me money. You obviously lack the military expertise and geopolitical acumen to grasp what Jared just so eloquently expressed. So the reason Trump abandoned the Kurds and deployed troops to Saudi Arabia is the same reason he's been deafeningly silent on the murder of Jamal Khashoggi 
and the same reason he's sending his corrupt treasury secretary and greedy son-in-law to a business conference designed to corruptly enhance the global power of a ruthless monarch. Give me money. Jared Kushner understands the Trumpian sense of entitlement like Albert Einstein understood physics. Wow, these guys totally get me. Putting on the red. E equals give me money. Last week, Barely Audible Whisper combined the hyperbolic, logical absurdity of President Trump's legal argument that the president cannot be investigated with then-candidate Trump's own hyperbolic statement that he could, quote, shoot someone on Fifth Avenue and not lose any voters, into a silly sketch in which President Trump argued, I could shoot someone on Fifth Avenue and not lose any voters, as though it were some sort of a legitimate legal defense strategy. This week, the actual president's actual attorneys actually argued that the president could not actually be charged for actually shooting someone on Fifth Avenue as an actual legal defense before an actual appellate court. In response to the question of what could be done if the president were to shoot someone on Fifth Avenue, Trump's attorneys had the following verbatim exchange with an appeals court judge. On the Fifth Avenue example, local authorities couldn't investigate? They couldn't do anything about it? I think once a president is removed from office, the local authority, uh, any local authority, this is not a permanent immunity. I'm talking about while in office. No. Oh, that's the hypo. Like, nothing could be done. That is your position? That is correct. That is correct. Throughout this insane presidency, Barely Audible Whisper has always found ways to heighten Trump's absurdity into some form of comedic exaggeration. But the argument that law enforcement lacks the authority to stop the president from openly committing random acts of murder is so unexaggeratably absurd that we had to invent the word unexaggeratably. Even Stalin bothered to make up excuses for shooting people. I had millions of people executed under false accusations, but at least I had enough respect for concept of rule of law to make up accusations. I don't have legal authority to shoot people for no reason. That would be unexaggeratably absurd. To be clear, Stalin's tyranny was infinitely worse than Trump's foolishness. But to be honest, Trump's legal reasoning is infinitely worse than Stalin's. Forgive me for asking Premier Stalin, but uh, on the Fifth Avenue example, local authorities couldn't investigate. They couldn't do anything about it. Of course they could. Don't be ridiculous. Obviously. I mean, you don't have to have a valid legal reason to shoot someone, but you have to have some legal reason. Otherwise, we would devolve into lawless insanity. Again, to be clear, we are in no way comparing the atrocities of Stalin, who massacred millions of people, to the stupidity of President Trump, who has not actually murdered anyone. Except maybe Jeffrey Epstein. Probably not. But maybe. The point is that even the worst tyrants in history didn't simply claim carte blanche legal immunity from murder. King Henry VIII had his wife beheaded because her baby wasn't a boy, but at least he had the decency to invent a different reason. I 
I hereby declare that my wife shall be beheaded because, I don't know, would you believe high treason? And if we don't believe high treason? Then I'll accuse you of high treason. High treason it is, then. <laughs> that was easy. Forgive me for asking, Your Highness, but mm. on the Fifth Avenue example, local authorities couldn't investigate? They couldn't do anything about it? <laughs> well, of course they could do something about it. To say otherwise would be unexaggeratably absurd. Yet again, to be clear, President Trump has not actually murdered anyone. But the point still remains that even history's most notorious murdering rulers never had the audacity to claim the legal right to simply murder at will. The politicians allowed me to get away with murder for fear that if they defied, I would murder them. But the Republicans allow Trump to get away with murder for fear that if they defy him, he will mean tweet about them. This Wednesday, dozens of House Republicans led by Florida Representative and walking white privilege Matt Goetz stormed into a classified impeachment deposition as part of a political stunt protest against perceived unfairness in the House impeachment process. The political stunt infiltration is especially alarming because the deposition was being held in a skiff or sensitive compartmented information facility which are painstakingly designed to prevent classified information from being stolen by political stunts foreign intelligence operatives who might use political stunts surveillance equipment to obtain sensitive information to make matters worse as part of their political stunt intrusion republicans brought their phones into the skiff where they live tweeted their political stunt sit in Barely audible whisper found the following report from outside of the skiff while Republicans were conducting their political stunt. I'm coming to you from outside of the impeachment deposition skiff because unlike the Republicans protesting inside the skiff, I have enough common sense not to bring recording equipment inside a highly classified compartment. The, the toddler throwing a temper tantrum sound you're hearing is actually Matt Gates, a grown man and a member of the Ho House of Representatives of the United States of America. Just because I'm not on any of the three committees conducting this deposition doesn't mean I shouldn't be allowed to participate in the deposition. Actually, that's exactly what it means. Because I want to go in! <laughs> but you can't go in because you're not on any of the relevant committees. A point that was enforced last week when you were thrown out of a previous impeachment deposition and reprimanded by the House Parliamentarian. So what? Who cares what the Parliamentarian says? It's not like I'm a sick dog! Aw, oh, you're thinking of veterinarian. The parliamentarian is the person who makes exactly such determinations as who is and isn't allowed in committee hearings. I can go in there if I want to, and I will not be stopped by an indoor domed ceiling representation of the night sky! You're thinking of a planetarium. George Clinton can't tell me what to do. You're thinking of Parliament Funkadelic. The point is, the impeachment is unconstitutional! But it's literally in the Constitution. The unconstitutional part of the Constitution? What does that even mean? I don't know! 
Sometimes we just blurt out crazy nonsense and wait a day or two for someone at Fox News to figure out a pretext for pretending the crazy nonsense we blurt out isn't really crazy nonsense. This, this political stunt... It's not a political stunt. It's a sit-in. A sit-in. A sit-in. Do you really want to invoke the civil rights movement the day after President Trump compared the constitutional process of impeachment to a lynching? Yes, because racial insensitivity creates a distraction. <clears throat> Whatever you want to call it, you clearly seem to be attacking the process because the evidence is overwhelmingly against you. Evidence is biased against Trump! Ugh. We shall And so that's the news from the Capitol where... Please don't sing We Shall Overcome. I told you racial insensitivity is distracting! And so that's the news from the Capitol, where Republicans are fighting the very concept of justice by misappropriating taxes associated with the struggle for justice. We shall overcome the law. It was revealed this week that Mitt Romney has an alternate Twitter handle named Pierre Delecto, which he has used to defend Romney when Romney is criticized for criticizing the president. This is what it's like to be an anti-Trump Republican. You have to invent fake personas to back you up because no real Republican would dare defy dear leader. It's unclear why Romney chose the name Pierre Delecto. He is a French speaker from his Mormon missionary days, so that explains the Pierre, but... Delecto means nothing. Our intern has a theory. Yes. Romney wanted us to think that it was actually Mike Pence who created the account. What does the name Pierre Delecto have to do with Mike Pence? Delecto sounds like delectable. Pierre is French for Peter, which is a term for a penis. Delectable penis? Mike Pence! Get out. Okay, bye! After the box office success of The Joker, Hollywood is eager to crank out as many origin stories as it can as quickly as possible. We already have a trailer for the upcoming Alec Baldwin vehicle, Pierre Delecto, c'est moi. In a world where to speak up against authority is certain doom. President Trump referred to his critics within his own party as, quote, human scum. One man has the courage, experience, and dignity to stand against the president. I may not endorse Trump in 2020, but not even his own family can stand with him. If you're not gonna support the president, then I'm no longer Romney! Chair of the Republican National Committee, Ronna McDaniel, has dropped Romney from her name after her father-in-law publicly, yet tepidly, criticized the president. With no one on his side, he would have to be on his own side. I shall become Pierre Delecto. Knowing he'd be there to support himself, Mitt Romney was free to speak his mind. 
If the president asked or pressured Ukraine's president to investigate his political rival, it would be troubling in the extreme. Honey, are you sure you want to say things like this? You know what can happen. I believe in the people. Someone will back me up. Mitt Romney is right. Romney's strategy when it comes to Donald Trump is non-confrontation, verging on spinelessness. Jennifer, you need to take a breath. Maybe you can then acknowledge the people who agree with you in large measure, even if not in every measure. And when the president leaves his Kurdish allies out to dry, uh, sorry I misread that, leaves his Kurdish allies out to die. America is an unreliable ally. Some might say Romney is too. Don't worry me, I've got this. Loyal to principle trumps loyalty to party or person, right Brit? Trump has betrayed our military allies in Syria and America won't be trusted again. Congrats, GOP Senate. Well done. John, agree on Trump's awful decision, but what could the Senate do to stop it? Grandpa, this guy, Pierre Delecto, just followed me on Twitter. He's a total lurker. What do you mean lurker, sweetie? He hardly ever comments on anything, and whatever he does, it's just like defending something you said. Is this you, Grandpa? Are you Pierre Delecto? C'est moi. Why do you do this, Smith? It's like you're two different people. Somebody has to speak up for what's right. And that somebody needs backup. And sometimes... You gotta be your own backup. Alec Baldwin is Mitt Romney. Don't read the comments. Ever. Mitt Romney is... Pierre Delecto. C'est moi. Pierre Delecto. C'est moi. Coming soon, exclusively on Facebook Watch. Thank you for listening to Barely Audible Whisper, made possible by the following people, writer, co-host, and producer Dave Baldwin, co-host and actress Molly Brown, writer and actor Daniel Carter Brown, and actors Emily Sams Brown, Ali Glonick, and Tommy Strzok. We appreciate your support. Please subscribe to us and follow us on your social media. They had balloons on the door, so I wandered inside. I said wondered because that's what you spelled. Humorous!